Welcome to Turning Point. No matter your age, you've probably learned that life doesn't always go according to plan. How do you react when catastrophe comes? Today, Dr. David Jeremiah begins the series, When Your World Falls Apart, to examine that question and to show how God can accomplish His best even in the worst of circumstances. To introduce his message, Abandon the Road, here's David. And thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to a new month of sharing together from the Word of God. We're happy to have you. Today, we're going to talk about a message that I uh, prepared some years ago at a very important time in my life. I had just come out of the hospital with uh, having had a stem cell transplant for cancer and was feeling the very close presence of the Lord who stood by me every moment uh, during all of that. And I ended up putting a lot of my thoughts in writing. And the book came out, first of all, under the title of A Bend in the Road. The publishers later changed the title of the book to When Your World Falls Apart. And uh, these messages, which are primarily from the Psalms, are the scriptures that God used to really encourage me and help me get through one of the toughest times in my life. I've discovered that they have the same effect on everybody who gets exposed to them. So during this month, I'm going to share uh, Psalm 71, Psalm 121, Psalm 13, Psalm 138, 63, 30, 142, all the key Psalms that were so blessed to bless me, and I hope they'll bless you. Today, we're going to talk about what happens when trouble comes. But before we do that, let me tell you, we have this incredible resource for this month. I have this in my hand. It's a gift book called Sleep on This, Evening Reflections from God's Word. And uh, it has all these writings to help you calm your spirit before you go to sleep at night. And if you're so tired you can't read them, there's a code on each page and you just you put that code in front of your phone and click it, and somebody will read the saying to you. We hired a reader to come and read these psalms and these sayings and these chapters so that they will be of comfort to you. This is a unique resource. I've never seen anything like this before. Once again, it's called Sleep on This, Evening Reflections from God's Word. And uh, God's Word is filled with comfort, encouragement, and promises so that no matter what your concern is, God is there for you. You'll find this to be very helpful. It's yours for a gift of any size during the month of August. Simply say, please send me the sleep on this book, and we will. Now, let me tell you, August is always kind of a hard month. Everybody's running around on vacation and and at the end of the month trying to get ready to get back in school and all of that. So your gifts are very important, and they're very needed. And we want to do something extra special for you during the month of August. And we'll send you this padded, covered gift book. Sleep on this. And you'll enjoy it, I'm sure, every day, every night. Well, here's part one of Bend in the Road as we begin the series, When Your World Falls Apart. On top of the pile of mail was a book written by a friend of mine by the name of Gordon MacDonald. The book was sent to me, as many are from the publishers, and I was intrigued by the title of the book. It's called The Life God Blesses. Many of you will remember Gordon MacDonald as the author of the best-selling book, Ordering Your Private World. In the book that was sent to me, Gordon writes with great meaning about the things God uses to bring blessing into the lives of his servants and to make them a life that God can bless. In one chapter, he coins a term 
to describe one of God's most often used and least understood tools in the process. He calls this tool a disruptive moment. And according to him, disruptive moments are those unanticipated events, most of which one would easily have chosen to avoid had it been possible. He added, we don't like disruptive moments. They are too often associated with pain and inconvenience, failure and humiliation. Disruptive moments are like bends in the road that we cannot see beyond and we don't know what to do with. Malcolm Muggeridge summarized this thought in a conversation that is recorded between him and William Buckley. He said, as an old man, Bill, looking back on one's life, it's one of the things that strikes you most forcibly that the only thing that's taught one anything is suffering and affliction. Not success, not happiness, not anything like that. The only thing that really teaches one what life is about, the joy of understanding, the joy of coming in contact with what life really signifies, the only thing, said Muggeridge, is suffering and affliction. Alexander Solzhenitsyn also knew something of disruptive moments when he wrote about the time he spent in the gulag in prison. He said, it was only when I lay there on rotting prison straw that I sensed within myself the first stirrings of good. Gradually it was disclosed to me that the line separating good and evil passes not through states nor between classes nor between political parties either, but right through every human heart and through all human hearts. And he wrote, so bless you prison. Bless you for having been in my life. David Burnham has had his own disruptive moments, but in one of the messages that he gave, he spoke of a very early disruptive moment in his college career. He said, and I quote, the football was my God. And one day in a championship game, I was carrying the football into the line and was hit so hard that I was knocked unconscious. They had to carry me off the field and to an ambulance behind the stadium. And the first thing I heard, he said, as I came to, was the crowd roaring for another ball carrier. My God was in another man's arms, and the crowd was on to other heroes. And he said, at that moment, my whole life changed. Disruptive moments. It's more than a bump in the road, it's a pothole. <laughs> When you hit a bump in the road and you have friends all around, you need to tell them a little bit about it and then go on down the road, and we shall do that. But I think it's very instructive for me just to open my heart to you and let you know the things that God has been teaching me from his word, things which I probably wouldn't have studied or even been motivated to learn about had I not hit a bend in the road and had a disruptive moment in my life. Now, the two passages that God has impressed upon my heart are easy to remember because they're both 12th chapters, the 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians and the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, there is a pattern that is also exactly the same in Hebrews chapter 12. I want to give you four or five points that are exactly alike in both passages and then make some application to our hearts. Follow along, and I will just do this quickly, make a few comments as we pass along the way, and then we'll move rapidly to Hebrews chapter 12. The first thing you notice as you begin to study 2 Corinthians chapter 12 
is the purpose of a disruptive moment. Notice what Paul wrote in verse 7. Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. Now, this passage describes a moment in Paul's life when he had just had the opportunity of a heavenly experience. We have very little information about it. In fact, as Paul writes about it in the first six verses of 2 Corinthians 12, he seems rather reluctant even to put himself in the context of the experience. He says, there was a man I knew. Doesn't even want to say it's him. He says, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't say. He doesn't want to get too specific. But what he does know is this, that on a given occasion, because of an appointment from God, Paul had been lifted up to see the glories of heaven as no man had ever seen before. Can you think of what it would have been like if he had lived in our day, what his press agent would have been saying about Paul, and what his meetings would have been like after he came back from that experience? Here's the only man who has been to heaven and back and lived to tell about it. Come hear him this Sunday night at such and such a place. But God took a different view of that. And God knew that the great exaltation and revelation that had been given to Paul could also have been his downfall. And so Paul said, lest I become proud, God sent through a messenger that he allowed Satan to deliver. He sent a problem into my life. And he did it that I might not be exalted above measure. That was the purpose. Notice, secondly, the pain of this disruptive moment. Paul describes it in verse 7 like this. He says it was a thorn in the flesh. In the Greek language, literally, it's a stake, a stake driven into the flesh. He describes it later on as something that buffeted him. I looked up the word buffet. It means to beat somebody. He calls it infirmity, reproach, and distress. Paul said, unless I be exalted above measure, God sent a thorn into my flesh. He drove a stake into my body. Make no bones about it, men and women. Sometimes disruptive moments are painful. Sometimes God allows pain in our life and suffering in our life as a disruptive moment. Oh, people have had great fun with this passage trying to figure out what Paul's thorn in the flesh was really all about. I've read everything I could find about it. Let me tell you, there are so many ideas. Some have suggested that Paul developed eye trouble because of a passage in the book of Galatians. Others have believed that Paul had some form of epilepsy. William Ramsey said maybe it was malaria. Many other ideas, I wrote some of them down, such as hysteria, hypochondria, gallstones, gout, rheumatism, sciatica, gastritis, leprosy, lice in the head, deafness, dental infection, and remorse for the tortures he had caused the church before he was saved. All of those ideas. Let me tell you something. Here is the studied opinion of your pastor on the issue of the thorn in the flesh. Ain't nobody knows. <laughs> it's not there. And it's for a very good reason. If the thorn in the flesh was eye trouble, when we went through a disruptive moment, if it weren't eye trouble, we would think this passage weren't for us. God, by his silence as to the nature of this thorn of the flesh, has made this passage applicable to every single one of us when we face a bend in the road or we go through a time that is disruptive in our lives. And so the pain is evident. It's not disguised, but the specific nature of the pain is kept from us so that we would know that this applies to every one of us. Notice thirdly in this passage, the provision in the disruptive moment. And I'm just giving you this outline quickly. I don't mean this to be two sermons in one. I just want you to see the pattern. The provision in the disruptive moment is very clear. Three times Paul said to God, take this away. 
And three times God said, Paul, I'm not going to do that, but I'll tell you something. I'll do something even better for you. I'll give you sufficient grace and perfect strength so that you'll be able to sail right through this and do what I want you to do. So in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the disruptive moment, when the call was made, the Lord himself came down and walked with Paul through the bend in the road so that he would not lose his way. The provision in the disruptive moment. Notice, fourthly, the product of the disruptive moment. What is God producing in Paul through all of this? Paul said, that the power of Christ may rest on me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul came to understand this disruptive moment in his life, this bend in the road, as an opportunity that God had taken to build something into him that he could not have had apart from the suffering. What God told Paul simply was this. You will not be without the grace to do your job. You will not be without the strength to be my ambassador. But the creative difference will be this. Your weakness will serve to magnify the glory of God's power in such a way that nobody will ever again be able to explain you in human terms. It is as if Paul looks ahead and sees himself as a human tabernacle in which the Shekinah glory has come to dwell in. And never again can he ever be the same because the disruptive moment, this bump in the road, this bend around which he could not see has been a messenger from God to help him see that in his weakness in the flesh, he becomes a receptacle for the power of God in a way that he had never, ever known before. I think if I understand the nature of Paul, that he's like a lot of us men who think, We can do it. I mean, we're indestructible. We're invulnerable. I have to tell you that one of the most awesome things about the experience that I've had has been getting in touch with my own mortality and beginning to realize that I'm not Superman and that I don't have control of my own destiny, but it lies in the hands of somebody else. And in the moment of weakness, we began to understand that God is just waiting to walk in to the empty place left when we walk out so that he can fill us with his power. And the product of this suffering, this pain in Paul's life was the product of more power. Now notice the perspective, number five, of this disruptive moment. Paul says, finally, most gladly, therefore, will I boast in my infirmities. For I want the power of Christ to rest on me. It's almost as if Paul looking back on this, realizes what he was like before this happened to him and what he has become like after this has happened to him. And he says, in essence, and you can't get anything out of the passage other than this, if I could go back to the way it was before and not have to walk through this disruptive moment, I wouldn't do it for all the money in the world because what God has made out of me on the other side of this bump in the road is so incredible to me, I glory in it, I boast in it, I thank God for it. Now, I need to tell you, you can only do that when you're looking back on it. It's hard to do that when you're in the midst of it. But I take great hope in Paul's testimony because I believe it with all of my heart. He looks at the picture of Christ's power and he rejoices. Now, that's all I want to say about 2 Corinthians 12. But you will be amazed, as I was, to discover how very closely the pattern follows in Hebrews 12. So turn there. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, once again, if Paul is the writer of Hebrews, we can understand the parallelism. But even if he is not, it is striking to notice that the outline for this passage is exactly the same as the outline for 2 Corinthians 12. First of all, there is the purpose of the disruptive moment. 
Paul says that God allows chastening. He allows training in our lives that we might be corrected. To correct us as a father corrects his son. And that he might prove to us that we are his children. Do you see that? The Bible says all of the children in the father's family are disciplined. And if you don't have any discipline in your life, you better check into your relationship. There is no way to be a part of the father's family and not once in a while in your life feel the pain of his scourging and his rebuking and his chastisement. Some people think that the goal in life is to go all the way through from the cradle to the grave without ever having any pain. The person who does that is an unfortunate one and one who needs to check into whether or not he truly is a member of the family of God. Notice the pain in this disruptive moment again in Hebrews 12. Paul describes it like this. He calls it chastening and rebuking and scourging and correcting. And then I love this little phrase, not joyful, but painful. Very clear, isn't it? There is no desire on the part of the Almighty God or the Spirit of God to disguise what he is doing. He is not trying to say, if you just smile and think positive thoughts, this will go away and you won't feel it. So sad is the teaching that we have about us today that if we love God and we walk with him, we will never be sick, we will never have suffering, we will never have poverty, we will never have any disease in our life, we will never have any of that. That is not from the word of God. The word of God is brutally honest about the reality of life and that sometimes in the process of growing up in God's family, we feel the sting of the whip and it doesn't feel good and we would not really desire it. But God has a purpose in it. And when you feel it, one of the things you can do is stand up straight and say, so I am a son. I am a son. I am in the family. It's the proof of God's love for us. Notice the provision of the disruptive moment. Once again in the passage, God reminds us that when we are under the scourging of the father, he treats us as a father treats a son. He says in our earthly days, our parents do this for their good, but when God does this, he does it for our good because he loves us. And in the midst of the disruptive moment, when we face the bend in the road, God is right there with us, taking us along the pathway. There's another wonderful passage that I had hoped to share, but there wasn't enough time in this lesson. And that's John 15. And you can read that when you get a chance. In that passage, the Lord uses a parable about the vineyard. And you remember what he said? He said, every branch that brings forth good fruit, the Lord purges it so that it might bring forth more fruit. The branches that don't bring forth any fruit are not really in the vine. They're cast away. But the branches that bring forth fruit The Bible says God the Father is the vine dresser and he comes down and walks among his vineyard and he goes along the vines and he snips off the unproductive branches so all of the sap and all of the strength can flow through to the vine that is being productive and the result is when it's all finished, it is more fruitful than it was before. But let me tell you what I remember about that passage most of all, this little statement, I don't know who it is attributed to, But it is very clear to me that it is the truth. It goes like this. The vine dresser is never nearer the branches than when he is pruning them. Oh, the provision of God in the disruptive moments of our lives. And then finally, look at the product of it. The product of the disruptive moment, he says in Hebrews 12, is that we become partakers of his holiness and that afterward, 
this process yields in us the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Do you see this? In 2 Corinthians 12, the goal is more power. In Hebrews 12, the goal is more holiness and righteousness. There isn't any way to get from point A to point B without going through the disruptive moment. But when you come out on the other side, there's more power and there's more holiness. That's the product that God is after. And then finally, just as in 2 Corinthians 12, notice here in Hebrews 12, the perspective of the disruptive moment. How are we to respond to this? Hebrews is very clear about it. In the quotation from Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, which is in the fifth verse, the writer of Hebrews says, My son, don't despise the chastening of the Lord. One of the options you have is to despise it. Why has this happened to me? Why now? Why this? I'm so angry that God... Have you ever met somebody who is mad at God because of something that's happened in their life? They despise the chastening. That's not the right perspective. Keep reading. It says, don't be discouraged when you rebuke. Some people just get discouraged. They just put their head down and they say, well, that's it. I'm giving up. This is all over. It's final. What I'm trying to say is this. When you go through a disruptive moment, if you're not careful, you can just say, oh, shoot, this is it. And I'm done and it's finished and I'm just going to hang my head and give up. And the Bible says, when you have a disruptive moment, don't be discouraged. Well, what are you supposed to do? Look at the end of the 11th verse. It says that when you go through a disruptive moment, it will yield the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Now, here's the key to the whole thing. To those who have been trained by it. That's the key. The key isn't, why has this happened to me? Or what am I going to do? The key is, Lord... What do you want to teach me in this disruptive moment? And I stand as your ready student and pupil, and you just teach me everything you can teach me. I don't want to waste this suffering. I want to walk through it and come out on the other side having learned everything I can learn in this process. I want to tell you something. I read the Bible in a different way. I read books in a different way. I pray in a different way. All of this is a part of the way God trains us when we go through a bend in the road. Now, do you see 2 Corinthians 12 and Hebrews 12 are almost exactly alike. The outline is exactly the same. And out of these two passages come some very poignant principles for disruptive moments. And let me give them to you. This is what I want you to hear so very clearly. You say, well, I haven't had any disruptive moments in my life. Well, just hang on. <laughs> just hang on. Be patient because they'll come. It's impossible. You say, what a morbid outlook on life. No, you know what? People are always talking about whether you're an optimist or you're a pessimist. And I don't think either one of those make any difference. What you need to be is a realist, right? Reality is what counts. Some people say, well, if you're optimistic, you won't ever have any bumps in the road. Yes, you will. You surely will. So what do you do when you have a disruptive moment? First of all, let me just put this in your heart. Principle number one, disruptive moments are often divine appointments. You remember how Job was buffeted by Satan, but Satan had to get permission to come and do anything he was allowed to do. Can Satan do damage to a saint? Yes, he can, but he can only do the damage that God's going to allow. So ultimately, everything that happens to us is filtered through the hands of a loving God. Hebrews 12 is even clearer. Hebrews 12 tells us that the suffering is like unto a father who is chastising his son. Who is the father in the passage? It's God himself. And it says to us that these moments that are disruptive in our lives, these things that catch us off guard, they come from God. Hmm. 
I think that's one of the most important insights that God gave me during that time. I wasn't there by accident. God had put me there. He had allowed me to go through that time. I think there are many reasons for that that we'll uncover as we go through this month. One of them I really believe happened was that God softened my heart. He helped me to see people in pain in a way I'd never seen it before. I could feel it in my spirit, and that often happens. The Bible says that God comforts us in a way so that when we're comforted, we can comfort others. And we learn how to comfort others by the fact that we have been comforted ourselves. That truth happened. It'll happen for you. Hey, don't forget to ask for the resource when you send your gift this month. It's Sleep on This, this really cool book that we created just for you. We'd like you to have it. And don't forget to join us tomorrow for part two of A Bend in the Road. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, When Your World Falls Apart, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Sleep on This a nighttime devotional with biblical reflections to bring you peace and rest. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series When Your World Falls Apart on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Are you searching for a way to begin each day filled with energy and joy? It starts by saying good night to restless sleep. In his book, Sleep on This, Dr. David Jeremiah provides nightly readings to help quiet our minds and calm our spirits. And when you donate $75 or more to Turning Point, we'll send you a special set that includes this book and material from the series, When Your World Falls Apart. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. A Texas television station recently ran a story about a dog whose owner had been killed in a traffic accident five and one-half months before. But every day, the dog sat by the side of the road watching for his master's car to appear. Now that's a degree of loyalty not often seen among humans. Loyalty is one of the most important concepts in the Old Testament. It defined God's relationship to Israel 
And in the New Testament, we're told that God will never leave us nor forsake us. That's a degree of loyalty we would do well to copy in our relationships with one another. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's loyalty on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.